It's August 28th. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. Hey, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Right Report, your daily news podcast. I've got three briefs for you this morning that are shaping America and the world. First up, Joe Biden announced on Friday that he's going to ask Congress for another round of cash for COVID vaccines. Plus, he suggested possibly mandate this stuff for everybody. But is that smart medicine? We'll talk about it. Second, an update on the battle for the Pacific. China is playing some games in the island nation of Vanuatu. I've got the details coming up. Third, updates out of the country of Panama. One involves the canal and the other... Well, 100,000 more migrants are on their way to America. Later, we close out the podcast with a question from Julian in Texas, all about fake news and Russian propaganda. He wants to know whether we should be worried about it, so I will share whether or not we should coming up. But first, let's get to our top story of the morning. Folks, roll up your sleeves because you might be required again to get a COVID shot. And that is because late Friday, Joe Biden announced that he is going to ask Congress for some new cash to tweak, well, a new COVID vaccine. So this new vaccine, he said, would be for, quote, a new vaccine that is necessary and that works, end quote. Okay. then he added that once the new shots are ready, the U.S. government will probably, quote, recommend that everybody get it, no matter whether they have gotten it before or not, end quote. So this recommendation of getting a jab Well, some media outlets are reporting that it is likely to become a new national mandate because as history has shown us, well, when the U.S. government recommends, they really mean mandate, especially with uh, folks in the military, U.S. contractors, U.S. federal employees, to just name a few. So, by the way, the decision of recommendation that might become a mandate, that could actually come soon. On September 12th, the CDC is meeting to discuss COVID vaccines and set recommendations related to them. Now, I should tell you that part of this push for new COVID vaccines and new COVID cash that is allegedly because of a new variant that is called EG5 that is apparently more infectious, but not necessarily more deadly. But unfortunately, that variant is causing some public health folks a little bit of heartburn because it's unclear whether the existing shots will be effective for these variants. CBS News and others are reporting that they might not be. So that is why there is this new push for a new vaccine or a tweak of the existing. So if all of this sounds like deja vu with vaccines, possible mandates, boosters that may or may not work, well, you're right. That has been our history on this issue for three years now. So that means that we need to talk about whether or not this idea of mandates or recommendations is smart, medically or otherwise. And if so, for which populations of people, everybody or just some folks. And I'll tell you, I think that this brief is going to be important in the uh, coming months. So I'm going to make it free for everybody today on rightreport.substack.com. I'd encourage you to print out the transcript and, and share it with folks. So let's start with this. The Biden White House has said previously that COVID shots, well, they're ultimately just like flu shots. You're going to need one at least once a year. But that's actually really important to think about. I'm going to tell you why. Flu vaccines are not mandated by most employers and governments. So why would COVID shots be mandated, but not flu shots? And to step back for a second, 
Why are some vaccines simply recommended while others are obligatory or mandatory? Well, to get to the bottom of that issue, we need to understand this. Roughly speaking, folks, there are two kinds of vaccines, sterilizing and therapeutic. So let's take our flu vaccine to understand the difference. If I get a flu shot, I can still catch the flu and I can still spread the flu to others. But the hope is that this flu vaccine will help lessen the symptoms that I get and maybe I'll recover a little bit faster. In other words, the benefit of this flu vaccine is that it is therapeutic and it is personal. If I could say that just a touch differently, there's no public benefit with a flu vaccine. And that's because, again, even if I get this shot, I can still spread it to everybody else. It only helps me. Okay, so that is one type of vaccine, a therapeutic vaccine, like the flu vaccine. It's going to make me feel a little bit better with that personal benefit, but I can still give it to you. So that leads us to the other vaccine category. And this is the one that most of us think about when we think about vaccines, especially when we talk about vaccinating kids. And that is sterilizing vaccines. So let's unpack that. So when most of us were babies, our parents were obligated or mandated to get us, uh, well, a number of vaccines like the measles, mumps, and rubella or MMR vaccine. The, the argument in public health for mandating these vaccines is that they are a sterilizing vaccine. They sterilize the virus when it gets inside of us, right? pumps up our immune system so brilliantly and perfectly that the moment that your body recognizes that virus, it just destroys it. And that is why, unlike the flu vaccine, you never get sick with measles, mumps, and rubella. And that means, ladies and gentlemen, that you never spread it to anybody else. And that is a big deal in public health because now there is both a personal benefit and a public benefit. In other words, with that MMR vaccine, I don't get sick and neither do you. Okay, so that is the second type of vaccine, a sterilizing vaccine, which has a personal and public benefit. Which takes us back to our original question. Why are some vaccines mandated while others are not? Well, historically, public health officials have been very reluctant to mandate therapeutic vaccines like the, the uh, flu vaccine. And that's because there is no public benefit, just personal. And that makes it medically unethical, even tyrannical, if a government starts forcing people to inject chemicals into their bodies if there's no compelling public benefit or justification. Now, to prove the point, consider these next words by the infamous Dr. Tony Fauci, formerly of the National Institute of Health. He said this in July of 2020, quote, I don't see COVID vaccine mandates on a national level merely because of all the situations you have encroaching upon a person's freedom to make their own choice about their own health, end quote. He added that, quote, we should not have central COVID mandates from the federal government. It would not be appropriate, end quote. So let me uh, emphasize something, folks. Mr. Fauci was saying this about the COVID vaccine because COVID vaccines then and now are not sterilizing vaccines. At most, they are therapeutic, although there is certainly debate about that, especially for children and young men. Indeed, reports from the CDC and the World Health Organization challenge whether either of those groups should actually get these COVID shots, and if so, when. But the point is this. Forcing a nation to take a therapeutic vaccine with a federal mandate has long been viewed as medically unethical and tyrannical. It is a violation of bodily autonomy with no or insufficient public health 
justification. And yet, Mr. Fauci and others, to include Mr. Biden himself, have later changed their minds and supported ever broader mandates for these COVID vaccines. In fact, Mr. Biden very famously said of the people who were uh, refusing to get these therapeutic shots, the unvaccinated, quote, we have been patient with you, but our patience is run, uh, wearing thin. Your refusal has cost us all, end quote. Of course, if you recall, he went on to warn the unvaccinated that, quote, if you break the rules, be prepared to pay. And by the way, show some respect, end quote. But hold on a minute. Why the change, medically speaking? Right? What is the scientific basis for tossing out decades of precedence with therapeutic vaccines? Because Mr. Biden and Mr. Fauci and others like them in public health, they, they went from saying that it would be unethical and inappropriate for a federal mandate to, actually, we should blame the unvaccinated for COVID deaths and economic destruction. Well, I would encourage you to wrestle with those sets of questions, but for the sake of argument, Let's be very charitable about these folks and their change. Let's say that Mr. Biden and Mr. Fauci were just really concerned about the nation's health, that this virus was and is very deadly for everybody. So the argument might go, even if these COVID jabs aren't sterilizing, right? if these shots are just a little bit therapeutic, then the national benefit might be worth the national mandate. Well, does that argument hold any water at all? No, it doesn't. Because this virus, while serious for some, is not serious for everybody. And here's what the data say about that. Starting first in April of 2020, just after the pandemic started. Hospitals in New York City released a study on the typical patient profile of the folks who were hospitalized with COVID all the way back then. And what they found was that first, the median age was 64 years of age. Second, 94% of folks in the hospital were obese or had conditions associated with their obesity, like diabetes and hypertension. In fact, those uh, facts, ladies and gentlemen, led one of the researchers involved, a Dr. Leora Horwitz, to say that the hospitalized COVID patients are, quote, disproportionately obese, end quote. Now, since that time, all the way back in the spring of 2020, we have had an avalanche of data confirming this exact same conclusion. In, in fact, we have seen this same thing is true with children that were hospitalized with COVID. The kids were obese. And that is why, according to a number of CDC studies, obese folks are more likely to be hospitalized with COVID and upwards of 60% more likely to die with COVID than those who have a normal weight. In other words, COVID is not striking down otherwise healthy people on a nationwide basis. And thank God for that. Thank God that the fatality rate for COVID for those under the age of 69 is less than 0.5%. And by the way, we have known that since May of 2020. That was reported by the National Public Radio. So the upshot, ladies and gentlemen, is this. The data show that this virus is hospitalizing and killing, but it's a very clear and certain population of people that are already very unhealthy. That means that there is no medically sound justification for a broad or nationwide COVID vaccine mandate for all, all people, especially when it's therapeutic. Now, there could be a benefit for those folks who are at risk if they choose. Again, much like the flu vaccine. It's their body, their risk, their choice. And that's true for everybody, which is the whole point of therapeutic vaccines. You make the call. So folks, 
Those are the facts and data this morning on what appears to be out of the White House, a new or tentative push by Joe Biden for a revived nationwide recommendation or effectively mandate for these therapeutic COVID vaccines. Let me now pivot to my analysis and opinion. So I'll tell you, I take COVID seriously because it seriously impacted me. I was hospitalized from it, and I now have to take an aspirin every day for the rest of my life because of China's Wuhan lab virus and cracked open an artery in my neck. So I now have this stent in there, and then I have to take this aspirin until the day I die. Now, the data show that what happened to me shouldn't have. Right? I was young, relatively speaking, fit, no other comorbidities, but nevertheless, it did happen. But here's the thing, folks. The U.S. government cannot establish public health standards and policies based on me, a statistical outlier. Right? Public health officials have to go with facts and data and logic and reason, and that means it should stick to what medical science has long understood to be true and critical on this issue. You should not, you must not inject vaccines inside of people's bodies unless there is a profound public benefit. You must not. You cannot steal people's liberty and bodily autonomy unless that vaccine is sterilizing. And even then, you have to look very closely at the fatality rate and wrestle with a vaccine mandate. In other words, whether it's, it's worth the government stealing people's liberty. But this is not what's happening, apparently. Biden and his White House are once again leaning on this idea of a mandate for these therapeutic vaccines. And that's quite shocking because what it means is that they are ignoring the long history of this debate and conversation and understanding of sterilizing versus therapeutic vaccines and public versus uh, private benefit. Or again, importantly, understanding the typical patient profile, which here the evidence is overwhelming. It involves obesity, hypertension, and diabetes. So why then are these folks abandoning facts and data, logic and reason and precedent? Well, I don't know, but it makes me very suspicious. It tells me that something else might be going on here. Now, what I would offer is that when I've seen this kind of stuff happen abroad, when governments were doing very strange things that were breaking precedent, Well, generally, it was usually about power, money, or both. I don't know if that is true here, but what I do know is this. The Supreme Court has already ruled that Biden was unconstitutional when he tried to push this COVID vaccine mandate and testing requirements for large businesses. Meanwhile, he also did this stuff for federal contractors, U.S. contractors. Well, that mandate uh, has gotten some pretty mixed reviews at the judicial appellate level, and that in, in turn forced Biden to just back off. So I'm not sure why he's pushing this perhaps a second or third time around. Finally, I would say this. What I have noticed is that the Biden White House and the CDC rarely, if not never mention, natural immunity. In other words, the protection that we all get after we are infected which to be clear is virtually everybody at this point, especially kids, we have all been infected. That's what the data show anyway. And that matters because what the science tells us about natural immunity, at least according to the Lancet Journal of Medicine, is that natural immunity provides future protection against COVID that is at least as high, if not higher than the vaccine. So wouldn't logic say that we should be talking about natural immunity when we weigh the profound implications of the government stealing someone's bodily autonomy? Yeah, we should. 
But the Biden White House and the CDC aren't or rarely do. And that is exceptionally weird. So all in all, who knows where Mr. Biden goes with this latest effort on vaccines and mandates. But I do know or recommend this. Take today's transcript and offer it to your friends, family, employers, and politicians of all stripes. Because in the transcript are the sources and the related studies to everything that I've mentioned. And I encourage you all to do that because what seems clear is that just when we thought that this whole debate over mandates and so forth was just all buried and gone, well, the powers that be are resurrecting the idea. So that is why I'm going to continue to watch for updates and bring the news to you as I learn it. With that, let's take our first break of the morning. For subscribers listening at therightreport.substack.com, no ads for you. Instead, as you know, your podcast gets delivered to you each day in your email, along with the transcripts with the hyperlinks to all the facts and data that I've presented today. Meanwhile, for my other listeners, my goodness, thank you all. And enjoy the following messages, remembering that if you don't hear my voice telling you about a product or service, then I do not endorse it. We'll be right back. Folks, if there were ever a product that you should consider, man, this is it. Jace Medical. They provide an emergency supply of prescriptions and antibiotics. And here's why you should consider them. As listeners know, I have spoken about how China and India control most of our prescription drugs, including antibiotics. Well, what happens if a war should break out over, say, Taiwan or maybe a pandemic again? Well, we all know what happens. Our supplies of critical products get interrupted. And that is not acceptable if your life depends on it. So that is why I am proud to tell you about jacemedical.com. And here's how it works. You fill out a simple form at jasemedical.com. Then you speak with a board-certified physician. And within days, your order arrives at your home for emergency use. And I'll tell you, this is not for casual use, folks. Talk to your normal doctors for sniffles and such. This is for emergency use with potency lasting for years should the worst ever come. So friends, go to jacemedical.com, enter promo code right, that is W-R-I-G-H-T, and you will get a discounted order. Again, that is promo code right at jasemedical.com. Folks, if you're looking to diversify your investments, I have something for you to consider. It's called Masterworks, and here's what they do. They purchase modern art by famous creators like Picasso, and then they qualify it with the SEC and sell shares of that art to investors like us. Now, eventually, they sell that piece of art. It's called an exit. And then investors like you and me, we get a portion of the sale. And their record, it's pretty darn impressive. Last month, they had exits with returns of 10 to 35%. Now, this concept is relatively new, but not to the 780,000 members who have joined and invested. Meanwhile, Masterworks has also been written up in Forbes and Financial Times. And I'll tell you, read those articles because I did, and I decided that for my long-term investments, Masterworks fits. Now, will that be the case for you? Well, here's how you decide. Go to masterworks.art slash right report and you will get priority access for a personal interview with the staff and they will help you decide if masterworks fits for you so again go to masterworks.art slash right report that's w-r-i-g-h-t 
And as you sign up for that interview, you can also read through their disclosures, good stuff there at masterworks.art slash CD. So all in all, folks, I think that you will be impressed with Masterworks and what they offer to investors. So again, go to masterworks.art slash write report, because at the end of the day, I think you will be glad you did. Welcome back to the Right Report. Let's continue, shall we, with our briefs this morning with a pivot towards international affairs. Well, it is that time, ladies and gentlemen, grab your maps because we are off on a little journey this morning. Yes, it's the battle for the Pacific, the fight between the U.S. and China for supremacy and influence amongst those 15 tiny island nations in the North and South Pacific Ocean. Well, today we are talking about Vanuatu, which if we are looking at our maps, that sits about 1,200 miles north and east of Brisbane, Australia. And if you look really close, you're going to see the island country of Fiji, a little bit east of, of the Vanuatu. And then the Solomon Islands are going to be just a bit to the north. Now, back on May 23rd, I gave you a big brief on this region and this country in particular. But to refresh our memories, it was the home to the old World War II naval base called Espiritu Santo, which was the inspiration for the musical on Broadway known as South Pacific. But now it's home to a bunch of Chinese infrastructure. For example, Beijing built the prime minister's house, a number of government buildings, even the place where parliament meets. And in exchange, Vanuatu agreed to a bunch of communist debt, around 130 million bucks to build that stuff. And that is a lot of money for a very small country like Vanuatu. It keeps them indebted to China at their mercy. And of course, Beijing knows that. And that is why this approach is often referred to as debt trap diplomacy. They use that debt to squeeze these small countries to get exactly what they want. And that takes us to our latest news out of Vanuatu. So the current prime minister, who is pro-America and pro-Australia, he might get removed from office all because of a very shady judicial ruling and a former prime minister who is very pro-China. And that's fascinating. So here's what's going on. About two weeks ago, the former pro-China prime minister he introduced what is called a motion of no confidence in the parliament. And he did so against this new pro-America prime minister. Now, if that motion had passed, it would have meant, well, that the pro-America prime minister would have had to been booted out. Well, good news at first, the motion of no confidence, that's failed by one vote. All because one parliamentarian was sick and he didn't vote. But on Friday... A Supreme Court judge there ruled that actually, you know, the motion to uh, for no confidence, it passed. And he made the argument it's because the sick guy was absent. And that technically meant that Parliament was one person smaller. So the majority ruled that the new guy had to go. If I could create an analogy here of how that's so bizarre, it would kind of be like if our Supreme Court said that the U.S. Senate, even for a day, was really made up of 99 members in total, not 100, which is a little bit bonkers. But nevertheless, that is what this judge in Vanuatu said and ruled. And so at some hour today, we'll see if this new pro-U.S. prime minister gets thrown out or not. And if so, there is going to be a big fight between the pro-U.S. and pro-China factions in Vanuatu. And if there is a fight... God forbid, a physical fight with violence. Well, who might be the referees? Hmm. Well, over the weekend, China announced that it's going to be sending its first batch of police experts, quote unquote, and some helpful equipment, 
all to Vanuatu. Beijing said that it would, quote, greatly enhance the ability of the Vanuatu police to maintain social order, end quote. Oh, isn't that nice of Beijing? Bunch of, bunch of humanitarians. So those are the facts and data, ladies and gentlemen. And here is my analysis of this and why I'm bringing it to you. So what I've seen abroad is that China spends a fair amount of cash to buy off politicians and businesses and judges to make sure that Beijing owns these small countries. It's not just a debt trap diplomacy. In other words, the spies get involved. And what I would bet with medium to high confidence is that this Vanuatu Supreme Court judge or a family member is on Beijing's payroll. Probably members of the Vanuatu opposition party too. It's just how China works. So I flagged this for you because if we lose influence in these Pacific Island countries like Vanuatu, that could have absolutely nightmarish consequences if we ever end up in a war with China, just like it was nightmarish in World War II when we fought the Japanese in the Pacific. So let's keep our eyes on this region as always in that little Vanuatu because we are up against a very nasty opponent, ladies and gentlemen, and they are going to be very tough to eject with all their corrupting cash. In fact, it might be that we have to offer up, a, hmm, uh, how shall I say this, a helpful grant or loan program of our own for these little islands because, well, international affairs, it's a dirty business, folks, like it or not. More to come. With that, let's move on to our last news of the morning. Two pieces of news, actually, out of one country, the Latin American country of Panama. So the first piece of news has to do with the Panama Canal, which, as we all know, is the vital corridor for shipping. But it is also vital for tax revenue for the Panamanian government. In fact, here's something that you might not know. About one out of every four dollars that the Panamanian government earns comes from the canal's operations. But unfortunately, Panama is in the midst of a pretty nasty drought, largely driven by El Nino weather conditions. And that drought has led to a drop in the water levels in the canal. In turn, that has forced the Panamanian government to limit the number and size of ships that are transiting through the canal. Okay, well, why do we care? Well, if fewer goods get through that canal, that could cause supply chain issues and higher consumer prices. But thankfully, that has not been true so far. Shipments have mostly been rerouted to West or East Coast ports, but nevertheless, it is absolutely worth keeping an eye on. All right, that takes us then to the second news out of Panama, an update on the Darien Gap. That is something that we first talked about back on July 25th, if you want to go back and listen to that one. But to recap, that is the area of jungle between Panama and Colombia where hundreds of thousands of migrants have passed as they make their way north to cross illegally into the United States. Well, last month I told you that Panamanian officials anticipated upwards of 400,000 migrants would pass through their country through that gap just this year on their way to the United States. Well... That number of migrants expected to march north to America, that is being revised upwards. No longer 400,000 migrants. Now we're looking at 500,000 migrants by year's end. And that is because there has been a surge, at least an extra 80,000 migrants or so since the last time I briefed you. By the way, you should expect to see these extra 80,000 people on your streets within the next month to two, give or take. With that. Let me now briefly pivot from facts and data to my analysis and opinion on this. Folks, if we might think of this immigration crisis as a reflection of a global market, 
Well, what the market of global migrants is telling us is that they think that America is wide open and ready for business. Yeah, the southern border to this marketplace, it's fallen. In other words, if they can get to America, they can stay here forever and get all sorts of free stuff. That is what the marketplace of migrants thinks. And, well, it's hard to argue with the market, folks. Now, as ever, we could close that market. The current White House, however, chooses not to. So, to fix things, it means that next year's election is very important. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude this morning's episode of The Right Report. But I've got one more thing before I let you go. We'll be right back. Well, I've got something different to tell you about today, folks. It's a product, but it is endorsed by not only me, but by you, a listener. Craig in Campbelltown, Pennsylvania, wrote me about Wacker Coffee Company. Funny name, great coffee. So here's what Craig had to say about Wacker Coffee. Brian, I had my first cup just a moment ago, and I'm working on my second. This is, hands down, the best coffee I have ever had. You have made an old guy in Campbelltown very happy. This is a superior product, and I know now where I will be buying my coffee from from this point forward. Craig, yes, sir. I told y'all this company is run by a former United States Marine, wonderful family man, and I'll tell you, he is a guy with a serious passion for roasting coffee. In fact, his company's motto is, we empower coffee beans to be the very best versions of themselves. Now that is a Marine who is serious about his coffee. So folks, go to wackercoffeeco.com, that's W-A-C-K-E-R, and enter the promo code right report for 10% off. Ah, again, folks, go to wackercoffeeco.com today and buy this stuff because your taste buds will be so, so happy. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Welcome back to The Right Report with one more thing before I let you go. It is a listener question today, this time a subscriber from rightreport.substack.com. Julian from Texas, he wrote in about fake news. He saw a report over the weekend from CNN about how the Russians are spreading propaganda in the United States, trying to influence our thinking and ultimately our elections. So Julian wondered whether I thought this report was true, and if so, what I thought about it. Julian, yes, I did see this report, and I'm going to be honest with you, I laughed. And here's why. Throughout the CNN report, they used some very careful wording. The phrasing was that the Russians were attempting to influence public policy and opinion. But what they didn't say was that Russian propaganda was actually effective at changing public policy and opinion. And that is very important. Let me help you understand why. Imagining that we are working at the CIA and we're putting together a propaganda campaign and we are focused on the difference between activity versus effectiveness. 
In other words, we can put out a lot of newspaper articles or YouTube videos or tweets in perhaps Cambodia. But did that stuff actually accomplish our operational goals in Cambodia? You know, did it make the prime minister do or not do something? Or maybe the public, did we influence them one way or the other? And if so, how do we prove that? Because that's important, right? This difference between activity and effectiveness. Because here's something that you might not know. These propaganda operations are usually not very successful. They're not effective. Case in point, the British used propaganda and election interference operations extensively in the United States. All the way back in the 1940s, they were trying to get us involved in World War II. Prime Minister Winston Churchill authorized this stuff himself, set up offices in New York City, actually. Indeed, I included some interesting links on this historical stuff in the transcript. But all that British propaganda that the British put out there, it did not do a thing. It changed absolutely nothing. The only thing that got us involved was when the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor. That is what changed the world. So, Julian, the answer is no. I, I don't get really frothy and excited about foreign propaganda. I just try to spot it. In fact, we talked about that back on July 3rd when we covered our special on fake news. So the bottom line, my friends... Propaganda operations are important, for sure, to identify, remove, counter. But I'm not going to lose sleep over it. That is, until deep fakes and AI take over. And that stuff, as we have talked about, that could be a game changer. Folks, if you would like me to answer one of your questions on the podcast, it is easy to do. Either donate via my Stripe account, which you will find a link for in the show notes. Just make sure you leave an email and I will be in touch with you. Otherwise, go to writereport.substack.com, sign up, open the email that you get each morning. And at the bottom of each day's post, you can leave a comment or ask me a question. And with that, Ladies and gentlemen, we conclude your morning brief. As always, I will see you tomorrow, God willing. Until then, I leave you with the creed of every good spy and every wise American. They're the words from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.